Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unk, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unk podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unk, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I love baseball, and I love it deeply because of how it's informed my perspective on all of my life. And I just want more kids to get that benefit from it. And I think the way that we can maximize that is having them play for as long as possible, which means we have to address skill, but you also have to address the engagement part of things because if they hate it or if they aren't engaged because they don't realize they're getting better, they're going to quit. This is the Reform Sports Project, a podcast about restoring healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. Hi, this is Nick Bonacore from the Reform Sports Podcast. Today I'm speaking with Devin Morgan, Director of Youth Baseball for Driveline, one of the top data-driven baseball player development organizations. The host of the Driveline Academy Youth Baseball Podcast, Devin and I discuss the importance of understanding kids' stages of cognitive development, his mission to develop skills at scale, and why he believes success leaves clues. He's one of the great guys out there in youth sports, in it for all the right reasons. I'm pumped to have him. Uh, Director of Youth Baseball from Driveline, my man Devin Morgan. D, thanks for hopping on, man. It's always a pleasure, Nick, man. It's good to connect with you again. I miss you, dude. It's been a while. I know, I know. And you got so much going on. I mean, in the last you know year or two years, I think, you guys um, over at Driveline, you you rolled out the, uh, the teams. For those of you uh, out there who have been... Uh, maybe on Mars or somewhere uh, over the last you know ten years in in baseball, Driveline is at the forefront of technology. They're at the forefront of scrutiny. They're at the forefront of of every. They got lovers. They got haters. All that stuff. Like any prosperous and growing entity, you're going to have both sides. But my man Devin, um, what did you guys recently do? You rolled out the new you did the the travel team. What's going on? Yeah, so we started doing teams. Um, man, this makes me feel old, but I think when we first talked, it was kind of like an idea of what we were going to do. And we are now moving into season four of, uh, of our travel team. Holy teams. smokes, there you go. Um, Although, you know, tra- travel teams probably isn't accurate because, um, you know, we, you know, at Driveline, we love to kind of buck conventional wisdom and we don't travel that much. Um, I actually just got back uh, last night from kind of our only travel tournament that we do. 
Um, and we're in Washington with our teams, and we just travel down to Oregon. How far is that? Uh, yeah, it's a three, three and a half hour drive. Um, if you, if you catch the traffic, right. So, um, you know, we get, you get a chance to kind of do the, the travel stuff that the kids want to do where they can kind of hang out in the pool, um, and, and goof off. But we're also trying to do that in a way where we're minimizing, uh, some of the economic impact on our families, because the moment that you, you know, you take a family of four and you throw them on an airplane and you got to get a hotel and you got to rent a car and you got to eat out, um, it gets really expensive really fast. And, um, you know, in so much as we have uh, an ability to do that, we're trying to make this thing accessible to, to more people. And one of the easy ways you can do that is just kind of mitigate some of the, you know, some of the costs that you actually can control. Um, and, and the reality is when you're talking about kids, you know, 10 to 18, unless we're really dominating like the entire local market, um, you've probably got good enough competition in your local area. So you don't need to spend three thousand dollars a weekend uh flying across the country you know just to just to play games in my you know humble opinion um so yeah we we are running into we're starting we're just finishing season three of our teams we'll start our our next off season in october um we have 200 ish kids in the program right now and we also have teams that are spinning up in arizona um where we have uh our scottsdale location uh, we got four teams down there. It's about a little under 60 kids, and they'll be starting up soon. So we're, we're going. We're going. So what I love for people to know, I know this because you and I have talked a lot. I follow you, and we're very like-minded in many ways, particularly when it comes to the youth side, I- I'd like to say. And you kind of touched on a little bit there just by describing the only three-and-a-half-hour drive. I mean, for God's sakes, I'm in the state of North Carolina. If you want to go halfway across the state, you got to go three-and-a-half hours. People might hear that and go, oh my God, that's not even traveling. You know, some people do that every weekend, depending on where you're at. So what is it about your ideology and approach to youth baseball? And now, like you mentioned, quote unquote, travel that you're doing with driveline, but like versus some of the other organizations or the trends that you see out there where it is halfway across the country or $3,000 to go play in these tournaments. Why is it that it's important to you to kind of buck the trend a little bit? It's important to me. Um, so I'll give you the, the technical answer first. The guys over at the Aspen Institute had this project play initiative, and they've been collecting data on youth sport, um, and they've been publishing it since, I think, around 2018. And in that amount of time, what they've shown is that baseball uh, loses a disproportionate number of participants. So we're talking about kids leaving our sport. Uh, than any other sport, uh, any other major or minor sport in the United States. Baseball loses somewhere around uh, 1.2 million kids every single year in that transition from like the 6 to 12 group to the 13 to 18 group. The thing that happens around the same time is you have a massive increase in play space. Um, you go from like the 46-foot field to a full-on 60-90. That amount of increase is somewhere north of like 250 to 300 percent uh depending on the dimensions of the fields and thankfully baseball is one of these weird sports where the play space you know there's a lot of bizarre baseball fields out there um which is hilarious but point being that the change in play space necessitates a different type of skill right and the fact that that change in play space correlates directly with this time that we have this massive participant loss to me, has sent a very simple signal that we're missing opportunities to develop the long-term skill in a period of time when it kind of doesn't mean that much, right? Uh, 
you know, from T-ball to like 12, 13 U baseball, a lot of times you could have a bad game and you can take your kid out for ice cream and they're going to be fine, right? Uh, and in addition, it's not like they have scouts that are watching these games. Uh, it's not that pro coaches are watching these games. The people that are watching them are parents, right? It's It's people like you and I who have a direct biological relationship with the athletes on the field and are compelled sometimes inappropriately to express our emotions uh, about the result of those games in consideration. So the first thing, you know, for our ideology of what we're trying to do with Driveline Academy is just kind of recognize that thing. Baseball is is not a game where you can develop kind of a skill set at a very young age and that's going to serve you the whole time. You have to be aware of how the environment is going to necessitate different types of skills. And then beyond that, you know, kind of the non-technical description is I, I've been around this for long enough. Um, you know, this is somewhere around 12 or 13 years that I am troubled uh, by kind of the large, you know, the large kind of path that our game is going. We are putting kids in a position where their performance is um, – treated the same way that like a lot of professional teams performance are treated, right? Like um, I was at a tournament one time and uh, in one of our teams uh, was playing and I went into the bathroom and there was a kid on the other team that was trying to exit the bathroom. And before that kid could get out of the bathroom, uh, they started getting lit up uh, by a parent on that team about why the team wasn't hitting today. And, like, if kids can't even get that type of break from, you know, adults kind of reinforcing these imaginary consequences to their competition results, then, like, something is, is very clearly broken to me. I understand it, right, because parents are paying for this service. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to kind of, like, look down my nose at, at other programs. I take checks from parents, too. You know, like, I, I understand that I'm kind of complicit in this ecosystem as well. The difference is, is that the value proposition of what we focus on is very clearly defined. Uh, what we focus on is skill development and engagement. And you have to pair those two things because the more that you can keep a kid engaged, the more that they want to play the game. And the more that they want to play the game, the more that you can develop skill. Uh, so for us, it's really, really important that we kind of bundle those two things together because that's the hook to have a kid play this game for as long as possible. Um, and yeah, you know, driveline, we are the best in the world of player development. That doesn't mean that when I take kids, you know, into my program that are 10 U, 11 U, 12 U, that I really have any specific regard for whether they're going to be professional athletes or not. Um, with those, you know, 13 to 14 and under kids, what we really specifically focus on is helping them get the most enjoyment and competitiveness out of their 90 foot career, right? We are very much focused on the long term, um, the long term goal for those 14 and up kids that are already playing 90 foot baseball. Again, let's be as competitive as possible for this period of time. And then if you have an eye towards playing uh, somewhere after that, right? So we're talking about collegially or pro, we have to be honest about what those things take. There are local junior colleges in our area who uh, in, in the Northwest here are just not going to look at you if you throw slower than 85. So when like the 15 year old that throws 92 gets an offer letter from a D1 school, uh, success leaves clues, right? Like, like those colleges are looking for kids that have outlier skills and 
they are hoping that that kid stays as good or continues to get better over time. The way that this is relevant to like your, your average 10, 12, 14 year old is you just want to be competitive, right? Um, the game of baseball is incredibly frustrating, maddeningly so often. But if you've got good stuff, you're more likely to be competitive and you're more likely to be successful because of that. So uh, it ends up kind of being like this chip allocation problem, right? I've only got so many chips that I can put on the table. So the question is, how do I distribute them? Do I stri- distribute them towards kind of the long-term goal and things like like general athletic development that'll inform and drive that? Or do I have kids doing 45 minutes of four-corner drills where we're trying to maximize our ability to like turn a double play at 10U? Um, I've seen a lot of 10U baseball. I've seen some really good 10U baseball, and I've seen some double plays turned by kids at those age. But the problem is, is that, again, take those kids out of that environment that is not evergreen, put them in the long-term environment, and hey, look, the throw from, um, from short to first is like 130 feet. If you are not ready to make that throw, when you're playing 90-foot baseball and you have to, coaches don't really have a lot of options, right, other than kind of hiding a kid over at second base and going like, all right, well, the skill isn't there and the strength isn't there, but hopefully there's like one place that that kid can play. And and for me, that is just the exact recipe that's going to have a kid want to walk away from my game. I love baseball and I love it deeply because of kind of how it's informed my perspective on all of my life. And I just want more kids to kind of get that benefit from it. And I think the way that we can maximize that is having them play for as long as possible, which means we have to address skill but you also have to address the engagement part of things because if they hate it um or if they are engaged because they don't realize they're getting better they're going to quit and that's part of the reason why we focus so much about training with data because more that i can communicate a kid that they are actually getting better then they kind of treat it like a video game right most of these kids are either playing like call of duty mlb the show Fortnite, you know pick a game they know what level their character is. Sure. The way that we communicate kind of data about training for kids is very similar to that. I want you to understand, you know, this month you took this many swings and you are this much better than you were 30 days ago. That's how we drive engagement. I love how you have the uh, the separation in ages. Like it, it, As I'm listening to you, I'm going, you know, because I talk a lot about what's age appropriate and... Um, you know, and I love, I, I, I always, and I don't know why, I, I think it's just common sense or my own experience, but I always kind of separate. It's like that age 13, 14 is sure the, the baseball fields grow at some point, right? Basically a big league field, but then puberty is around that age too, in most cases, right? Sure. So kids are getting stronger, kids are developing and, and it correlates with that. But I think like you mentioned when performance or I think you mentioned something on the lines of when that starts to matter a little bit more as they get older, because truth be told, majority or a lot of programs out there are focusing the same amount of intent or emphasis on performance at seven, eight, nine, ten, as some programs are at 16, 17, 18. And when I mean by performance, I mean the outcomes, the wins and losses. And it's like, to your point, it just doesn't really matter at all at those really early ages correct not that you uh, want to lose i mean listen no one goes out there hey, no, we're gonna lose of course. Today. but you know what i mean of, of course you know like our um our 14 year old team uh won a tournament two weekends ago and um you know like not for nothing kind of dominated the whole thing because we moved the vats faster and we throw the ball harder than anybody else that we that we had as competition in that tournament 
I'm sure that if we played some of the top competition in Arizona or Florida or, you know, any other one of those hotbeds that we, we might just end up just getting dusted. Right. But like on that particular weekend, we had really good stuff. Just this last weekend, we finished, you know, again, like this one tournament that we are going to travel a little bit to. Uh, and we came in second place. And the funny thing about winning is like you go out and win a tournament and then your expectations change, you know, like because we win the tournament, we won the tournament just the week before these kids kind of went into this and they're like, we expect to win. Yeah. And I love that, you know, like I, I love I love cultivating that type of competitive mindset where they really they feel and know that they can go out and compete with anybody. Like I'm, I'm so in on that. The trick is that as, you know, as, as the administrator, one of the administrators of the program, um, and, and the way that kind of my coaches amplify or amplify kind of the signal that we send, I'm still not going to define these kids by their competitive results. I, I'm just, I'm not going to do that. They, they are worth more to me as human beings than whether they checked a W or an L in a box score. Um, those competition results are highly, highly, highly meaningful to parents because winning is a very palatable um, outcome, right? It's the, it's the safest one. If I go to the water cooler and I tell, you know, Frank, my coworker, hey, you know, my kids went out and won this, um, you know, he's like, well, how did the tournament go? And I'm like, yeah, we won. It's an easy conversation to have. The same isn't isn't true if we didn't win, right? Now all of a sudden we got to talk about well, you know what happened, right? And now I got to give Frank, you know, all this like context to our competition results because <laughs> I don't want him to think that my kid is a loser, right, or that he's on a loser organization. Um, but you're exactly right at the interplay of kind of like the the nonlinear biological aspect of this whole thing. You're talking about kids who are going to grow. They grow all over the place um, and in uneven rates and at uneven times. Um, and when you you mix that kind of thing with, you know, me, me like reinforcing this idea like, hey, Johnny, hey, Katie, you know, I, I really need you here. Like, like, yeah, I, I want them. I, I want you to perform. Right. I mean, the, all the training that we do, the, the point is to perform. However, I don't love my kids any different if they struggle, you know, I don't love them any different if they make a mistake to the contrary, when they struggle or when they make mistakes, that's the time that I got to double down on how much I love them. And that's the time I have to double down on helping them understand the context of why they might have struggled, right? Is there a learning opportunity there? Because if I just go like, hey, man, you you crap the bed and I might cut that kid or I stigmatize that kid or I don't give that kid any playing time in the next event, uh, I'm doubling down on what the kid already understands, which is they didn't do as well as they wanted. In those moments, what I want to do is the other thing, which is like, hey, hey man, like, I, man, I, I, I'm here for you and I love you and I wouldn't trade you for any other kid on the other, in that other dugout, period. Um, because that, that's just, I think the thing that they need to feel good about themselves when they're playing sports, sports is not always going to make you feel, um, it's not going to always make you feel good. Like that, that's the truth. Uh, if you really want to get into the weeds, there's a developmental psychologist named Jean Piaget who basically pioneered our, our kind of conceptualization of the way that kids go through different cognitive phases of their development. Before kids are about 13, 14 years old, 
they exist in a cognitive stage that is very much defined by kind of a concrete understanding of the world, mm-hmm. which is uh, in, in kind of these terms, we lost and, I, and I'm a loser, right? They don't kind of go like, we lost, but I did my bet. But, but more often, they'll draw like a direct line between the outcome and their own sense of self. Sure. That changes over time in the way that the brain develops. But that stage of things doesn't start until about 13 and 14, and it in that process will last into adulthood. So when you uh, are that guy who like doubles down on enforcing consequence to children about their competitive results and how they didn't perform perfectly, you're just leaning in to the thing that that child already thinks, right? But again, you know, the, the more that we like professionalize youth sport and the more that we treat children like adults uh, through athletics, if we miss that part of things, if we miss just like the cognitive development side of things, we are missing opportunities to give them context that is just going to keep them playing sports for longer. And I think that is a good thing. Um, you know, like we're, we're going to have kids in our program. They're going to go play college baseball. We're going to have kids in our program. They're going to go to the pros. Uh, that's just a thing that is going to happen. I am just as invested and I am just as interested in that kid who stops playing sports in high school and they don't play in college, but they have a positive relationship with athletics and sports and they pass that on to their children. Mm. I think both of those things are just as valuable, but the more that we go down this rabbit hole of like the, you know, the seven you, you know, Jiffy Lube, St. Patrick's Day, uh, you know, triple Sapphire uh, Elite Invitational Championship, we're missing that aspect of things. We're reinforcing the kids that there's like, hey, man, there might be, you know, 50 teams in this bracket. So that's 600 children. Well, guess what? There's 12 of those kids who get to feel okay about this participation and everybody else should feel like a loser. I, I know that you we should keep this clean, but uh, I don't need to tell you how really jacked up that I think that configuration of youth sports is. So when we do a driveline with the academy is basically everything possible to push back against stuff like that. I love that, man. And, and the Jiffy Lube, uh, Sapphire... <laughs> Elite Invitational. I know I took out about 10 words. I love that because I started laughing like because you you look up some of these tournaments. That's exactly the Mickey Mouse, uh, you know, two step. You're like, what the every other weekend? There's just and and it is what it is. It's it's, you know, again, it's, you know, that that money grab, man. It's that chase that whatever. But at the end of the day. I love how you're putting, you know, the, the cognitive. You're talking, you're talking a lot about that, and we we cover a lot of the mental components and kids time themselves worth the sport. How much of a dangerous slippery slope that is. When we come back, Devin and I discuss his coaching philosophy and why he utilizes data to improve kids' skill development and engagement. As we go into break, I wanted to share another update with you from our friends at Team Snap. As most people involved in youth sports know, running a tournament can be often a stressful and chaotic time. An industry-leading amateur sports team and club management platform, TeamSnap, is here to help. TeamSnap is hosting a live webinar on September 27th, 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Mountain Time, to show you how to run a tournament and diversify your revenue streams with TeamSnap for Business. During this free webinar, you will learn how to control the chaos of tournament day and easily register teams, schedule games, and send real-time updates efficiently and effectively with TeamSnap tournaments on the TeamSnap for Business platform. To see how TeamSnap tournaments takes care of all the details for your tournaments so you can keep your eye on the ball and grow your program, 
programs, head to teamsnap.com today and register for the webinar, How to Run a Tournament and Diversify Your Revenue Streams, on September 27th, 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Mountain Time. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Where we left off, Devin and I were about to talk about the importance of developing kids in a safe and structured environment that also keeps them engaged and motivated. What I'm fascinated with even more, I want to say even more so, but equally, and it gets talked about a lot with Driveline and the work you guys do is, you know, the physical development. But something that you've always talked about is about moving fast. It's about moving with explosiveness. I mean, a lot of the things that I've talked to you about in the past, you know, translate to like every sport. You know, some I've watched some of the videos you guys put on. Sure, they're curtailed to, you know, baseball specific in many ways. But a lot of these explosive movements and such that you guys are doing in your facility really could translate to any sport. And that's kind of why I really admire, like, you know, and and you talk about the video game thing, the measuring. I know, you know, analytics and data at times from some people gets a bad rep, but I just, I just don't see that. It keeps kids engaged. There's so much benefit to it. And, and it's, it's a way to measure things. And more importantly, it's not going anywhere. Technology is not going anywhere. So how, how do you see the evolution? Cause it's not just baseball. It's like every sport, where that is being used. And how do you see that with the physical development? Have you seen tons of like examples within the academy and in the program where you've seen these kids like maybe even go on to different sports, but where this explosive movements and body control things they're learning from you guys has really helped them evolve into just overall better athletes? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is that like our perspective on this need for kind of, uh, again, what you probably call general athletic development is informed by the data that we've collected. This isn't a guess. Uh, These are just facts. Um, There are guys playing in the show uh, in MLB right now who, if they wanted to, could be Olympic athletes in like track and field sports. That's just a fact. You know, the, the thing I used to say back in the day is like success leaves clues, right? Well, um, if you come in and you can like broad jump your way pretty close to like the Olympic world record, you know, doing it like your first or second time, uh, you're probably a pretty good athlete. Uh, and it's reasonable to expect that your baseball skills are relatively good. Now, they might not be perfect. You know, there's there's plenty of guys who, you know, they might throw a buck of one and they can't get the broad side of the barn. And that's typically used as the reason to kind of demonize any type of training that revolves around acknowledging that like moving fast and force production is important. I think the the, the fundamentally critical thing you need to keep in mind there is that the reason that those guys get drafted who can't hit the broadside of a barn is because more Major League Baseball teams and even colleges 
are willing to take a risk on one of those guys and help to refine that skill set than guys who are going to like dot 78. That is a fact. That is the reality. And it's, you know, if, if you, if you're kind of intentionally obtuse to the nature of our game that way, then you're going to be that kid who's like, I don't know why there are no scouts that want to see, you know, there are no scouts that want to see my son. I just need one coach to, um, I just need one coach to see him. And like coaches are looking for players because coaches at the collegiate level want to keep their jobs, right? They're not intentionally ignorant about any prospect out there. But if you are that guy who's like 77, 78 as a senior, and you're a parent who has, your parent has spent thousands and thousands of dollars sending you to showcases. Well, guess what? The reality that no one's paying attention to you, the reality that you don't have a roster spot, much less a scholarship, is because there are probably like three million other guys just like you. Because you don't have a skill that is in demand on the market. You have a skill that is very similar to, uh, to a crap ton of other guys who have also been fundamentally ignorant about uh, the signal that college and major league baseball are sending to high school athletes. I've, I've got a kid who was in our program for, uh, two, like two and a half years, um, and then decided he wanted to stop playing baseball because he was going to be like, he was going to focus on, uh, BMX riding. I don't know the first thing about BMX riding. The last, the last BMX experience I had was like, dragging the rear tire of my bmx bike down my parents driveway uh but he was a savage athlete when we had him incredibly strong uh he was like 95 96 mile an hour top uh top exit velocity is like a 15 year old um so when i see him posting these clips on instagram of him just like tearing it up on bmx and he has this phenomenal uh, body awareness and spatial awareness and control and he has phenomenal force production it's like yeah again success leaves clues there was a period of time where there were guys in the game of baseball who you know had a body type that was very similar to like my usps guy uh that time is over uh, all you need to do is like you know google arnoldus chapman biceps uh and and see like dudes are dudes for a reason um, and my whole perspective on this is just, you know, again, children are inherently uh, adaptable to the stimulus that they're given. Um, I'm sure that at a certain point, there is like a genetic threshold for that, right? Not everybody's going to throw a hundred. That, that's just the reality. But I think we don't really even know how many kids could run it up to 85, 89 healthily. Because we just uh, we we miss opportunities to develop this stuff safely and progressively over a long period of time. You know what I think is fascinating is like you can make, and I know this is a big point of emphasis for you, D. And uh, you talk about you know I've heard you talk about how important it is to have fun, and just like every other guest I have who's certainly competed or coached at a high level, no matter what the sport is or anything, like fun has to be a part of it. And you know, I've incorporated it, in, you know, with, with coaching with young kids. And I, I always try to competitive games and, you know, baseball could be a very, very boring sport at young ages. You know, how many times have you pulled up to a park or whatever and you see, 
a bunch of kids standing around a field and like a coach throwing batting practice to, to one kid and he's, you know, poor kids missing half of them. And there's just a bunch of kids standing in the outfield or in the infield, just standing around. I mean, it looks terrible. It's, it's the absolute worst. The worst. But, but you can run a practice with those same kids, keep them highly engaged, moving from station to station, making it competitive, doing different types of baseball movements and things that are going to help them get better, you know, skill specific wise, but also, you know, athletically. And these kids are going to be engaged and having fun. Is that something that you put into your practices at your academy to incorporate like those stations, those competitive games at every, at all those young ages? Yeah. I mean, a million percent are, um, you know, I, I said, Years ago, um, that what we wanted to develop was skills to scale. Uh, you know, you want to develop a set of skills that actually scale as the game changes over time. And the mechanism that you deliver that is just through games. So basically, any time that we're training, we are playing a game and we are counting points. Which is what kids and, want to do. That's, a, that's it. Correct. Correct. And, and you know, the, the, the secret sauce there, right, is... And this is something we talk about in our skills of scale practice book. Um, I just finished a manuscript for a new training book that's going to cover all of this stuff in detail that ideally should be out, um, you know, by by January of this coming year. Um, they want to compete. Like, like I mean, when we're talking about kids wanting to play games, what they really want to do is they want to compete, right? They, mm-hmm. they want to know how good they are. Um, the, the valuable point uh, about keeping score of these things is that the moment that I can say, hey, you know, last week the game was um, around the world and we were going to go, you know, three rounds of three and you're trying to go pull side, middle, oppo, pull side, middle, oppo, pull side, middle, oppo. And I'm going to give you a point for each one of those batted ball outcomes that you produce. If you go in in the first, you know, first time in that environment and you get like one point, right? Uh, that's not going to feel great because you got one out of the nine available points. When we do that that same game environment a week from then, and you get three, now we're talking about context. And we're specifically talking about context that is designed to drive engagement in a child. We are giving them some signal that they are getting better at something that is valuable. And, and the more that I can lean into that, uh, what I've just seen, again, in more than a decade of doing this, is that the higher their interest uh, and their focus and their engagement in the entire activity becomes. And again, consider that environment versus kind of what's conventional about like hitting lessons for a kid. Uh, you're going to come in and you're going to pay you know, $75 or $150 an hour. And that instructor sometimes, and I'm not trying to demonize anybody that's given lessons because I, I, I mean, I've done them. But typically the way that that lesson mechanism works is like the outcome of it has to be me going to the player and the parent with like a laundry list of the things that they did wrong. And then they come in the next session and maybe I have a new laundry list of things that are wrong. Right. And, and I want to continue to like highlight their deficiencies because to a degree it highlights the need for you to continue to utilize my services. And if that entire thing exists in an ecosystem where we're never answering very simple questions about like, how hard did you hit the ball on day one versus how hard did you hit the ball on day 14? Uh, it just exists in, in like this idiotic vacuum that, that, again, is intentionally ignorant only because, you know, baseball is a very old game. Um, and I say this is like a fat old guy myself. Um, it's coached and taught by old guys just like me. And we're kind of 
a little bit resistant to the signal that just like moving the bat fast is hitting and hitting the ball hard is good. You know, like uh, there, there are a lot of people that had a lot of different thoughts about the home run derby that just, you know, was, was last week or whatever. And you were talking about going back to the, the format of only 10 outs or, or whether we're just going to kind of do it the rapid fire way that it is right now. I kind of don't care. Uh, but I think the biggest thing that's kind of signaled there is that like you have to hit the you have to move the bat fast to hit the ball hard. Sure. Um, that that's just that's just reality, you know. Like, yeah, I would love for every kid in my academy to have the type of fine motor control uh, and feel that Greg Maddox had as an adult. Uh, that's an unlikely thing that I'm ever going to be satisfied in having. So, what can I do? I can help kids throw the ball hard in and around the zone because the better that they can do that, the more that they take away decision-making time for hitters, and typically the better their results are going to be. Are you going to still give up some barrels? Sure, man. Like, yeah, everybody does. Greg Maddox did too. Uh, but what I want to do is just be clear about kind of like what is what are the elements of good performance and how can I develop them in a kid in a safe and structured format that keeps them engaged uh, throughout that whole process. Devin, it's fascinating. It's true. And if you're not paying attention to, I love how gracefully you said the modern day baseball player does not look like the USPS, United States Postal Service worker that they may once have looked like back in the 40s, 50s, 60s and 70s, because it's true and people don't want to hear it. It's just the way that it is. And bottom line is, if things are done in a way where kids are having fun, they're having joy, and they keep wanting to show back up and they're becoming the best version of themselves in a physical way, which ultimately will lead to them doing so in, an, in, an, in a mental way, in a positive environment. Man, I love it. I love the energy. And, and of course, anytime you're trying to, you mentioned the game being old. I mean, you know, I'm an old head too. I'm be turning 44 here soon. It's like, you know, you're going to get pushback, resistance from those yep. who like to Oh, it's a classic America's pastime. It's like, dude, you know what, man? Like they said in, in Moneyball, man, it's like, a, what the hell is the, the term? It's like adapt or die. And that's the way it adapt is in, in anything, man. Kids change, people change, and they're supposed to change. And if we stick in the past, then we're not evolving and getting better ourselves as adults. So I can talk to you all day long and we'll do it again. But where can people find you, connect with you, find your content? I know you have the podcast now, the blog. What, where can they connect with you? Sure. So uh, the socials, uh, you can find me typically at Devin Morgan, D-E-V-E-N-M-O-R-G-A-N, um, or you can find Driveline Youth. Now that we have the Driveline Youth socials, I, I'm not as active on my social, I feel like, anymore, but, um, but that also just might be because I have too much work to do. Um, so on socials, you either, either me, Devin Morgan, or just Driveline Youth. Um, and we also have the Driveline Academy podcast. We're pretty good about releasing those new episodes about every, every week, week and a half, maybe. Um, it's myself and uh, Jeremy Tectiel, who's the assistant director with me at Driveline. Uh, Jeremy is my brother. I love that dude. He is helping me build this thing brick by brick. And Jeremy, you know, being able to bring him in as, as another kind of administrator at the top end of our program has, has made us phenomenally better um i i just i can't i can't say enough about his contribution and um jeremy and i do the podcast we just kind of talk about you know some of the good and bad and inane and frustrating things about youth baseball on the driveline academy podcast um and i'm, I'm really thankful to people that have been listening our, our listen numbers are i think either at or kind of over like fifty thousand now so we've got that thing going so yeah, the, the podcast and the social stuff is probably the best way to do it. Um, like I said, I just finished the manuscript for our new training book. 
The way that I'm approaching that is basically, you know, Kyle Booty, who's the founder of Driveline, wrote Hacking the Kinetic Chain. And Hacking the Kinetic Chain, you know, changed my life. There's no bones about it. And he changed the lives of a bunch of different guys. Uh, and it really kind of exists as one of the pillar foundations of, of Driveline's kind of approach to to what we're trying to do and the way that we think about it, you know? Kyle, I think, in a since-deleted tweet said years ago, um, you know, consider the current version of yourself as basically just a representation of what you've done. You know, the, the general idea is like, you are what you do. And, you know, year, years later, uh, we had a guy named Casey Weathers was training at Driveline. Um, Casey was a pitcher at Vanderbilt, was drafted, struggled with injuries, came to us um, and actually got healthy and, and kind of got back into baseball. And then after he finally retired, did a famous speech at Driveline that I, I reiterate to basically everyone that I have the opportunity to. Um, there's a video up on YouTube called uh, Casey Weathers, How Good Am I? And in that speech, he says a very, very simple quote uh, that, that I, again, changed my life, man. Like hard work gives you honesty. You know, for, for anything, like you said, we just want these kids to get the most out of it as possible. And if you work hard in that endeavor, I think you have the ability to reflect on it and be honest about the outcome. Again, not all these kids are going to go to the show, and that's okay. But but I think that perspective on on life and personal development and achievement is something you can apply to baseball. It's something you can apply to cooking. It's something you can apply to your marriage. Like It really kind of defines my life in the time that I've had, you know, the, the, the pleasure of being able to work at Dryland and, and run our program. Um, so yeah, you know, either the socials or the podcast or with the book coming out, man, we, we just want more people, I think, to, to engage themselves on this different way about thinking about their children and sports in baseball. Um, because I, I, I'm not going to be shy about the fact that I think change is necessary. I think the current trajectory where we're going is not great. And, and I want to do everything in my power to kind of shift that as possible. It's just the, it's the one thing in my life, um, other than my wife and my children, that I'm, that I'm passionate about. Devin Morgan, your passion is infectious. I'm grateful for you coming on, brother. And I love the work that you do. And uh, I'm just so thankful, man. This has been freaking awesome. Thanks for taking the time to share with us, bro. Anytime, anywhere, brother. I'm here for you. That's Devin Morgan, Director of Youth Baseball at Driveline. Thanks for listening to the Reform Sports Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate it if you took a moment to rate and review our podcast as we work to grow our community of supporters and advocates. For more Reform Sports content, please subscribe to our newsletter and blog at reformsportsproject.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. 
Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.